I'm Ebony K. Williams, your attorney at law and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the very latest legal headlines everybody's already talking about. We dig into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down for you, and we go straight from gavel to your news feed. And I promise you this, y'all, every single week, we're going to keep it a buck, keep it 100. Right, Dustin Ross? That's right, Ebony. Let's go ahead and hold court. Let's do it. Justin Ross, you know, I'm back from over the pond and I feel a way about it, but we'll get to that. How was your weekend? My weekend was great, but fuck all that. You know what I'm saying? Because if you are across the pond, honey, that that is, talk about your your reach and your impact. Girl, you all the way over across the pond making waves. Look at you, Ebony. You're so funny. So funny enough, one place my travels have not really taken me to had been mm-hmm. London. So mm-hmm. I took this trip D like I actually wanted to go spend like a month in London pre-COVID mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you know, that happened. So anyways, finally got over there. I had the time of my life, Dustin Ross. London, London is incredible. Nothing. Nothing. I've actually already started planning my return trip. Mm-hmm. I actually see myself spending a lot more time uh, in the UK mm-hmm. and I just, you know how I feel about the currency of black excellence and yes. how it's is perceived and received differently um, in various territories. And let's just say everything I was given was given what it was supposed to give in London. Okay? As, as the fuck it should and as we know it would when it comes to you. Second to that, there's so much opportunity for black talent over in London. Mm-hmm. There's an incredible, incredible amount of opportunities for us over there, and I love it. So I'll come meet you over there. Let me know when. I love London. We can have a London I'm night. some crumpets and tea, honey, because I'm All sipping on some royal blue right now. Pinky up mm-hmm. with a pinky ring on it. Okay, Listen. so we, we, we can do that. <laughs> we can do that. Um, so, but what was going on back here in New York this weekend, Dick? New York was oh, where great. You, presumptuous. Where, where, where in the world was Dustin Ross? Well, brief. I actually had a little business in Washington, D.C. on Saturday. So Ooh. I went to D.C. on Saturday just for the day and the night. My best friend was there working on a project, too. So we were able to kick it a little bit. And then I was right back on Sunday. Um, but New York right. was, was in, off the chain, you know, fashion week. The Met Gala is tonight. Um, the VMAs were last night in Brooklyn. So this was an incredible week for New York. Got to see lots and lots of my LA friends, um, that were in town that work in fashion. So it was, it was a lot of shit going on. New York was actually off the chain this week. Yes. It was. I know. I'm, I hate I missed the end of fashion week and what else? Oh, like the VMAs. So let's talk about the VMAs a little bit. I okay. saw some clips, you know, I'm going to get into my straight mm-hmm. auntie posture with my analysis, but first I want to know, what did you think of the VMAs? <laughs> You know, at this point, my my anticipation, my expectation level, I should say, for the VMAs has has changed. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't look to it as a the VMAs is just more of a a, it's a pop culture event to celebrate the hot topics that are going on. So you're going to see it's not even so much about the videos anymore. It's just about. Who's you know on everybody's tongues right now? Who who's making people talk? <laughs> Operative word is tongues. Yeah, okay. tongues, babe. Oh, huh. And so you know, putting <laughs> that in the front—that's what it's about. So yeah. honestly, like if the host is not a comedian, if the host is not a comedian, I don't have to catch what the host has to say. I'm just looking forward to the winners and what performances I guess were interesting, and that's it. So mm-hmm. it's really not that. What what performances caught your eye? This year? Well, naturally, um, Chloe Bailey. Everybody was looking forward to her solo debut. Um, she performed Chloe from Chloe and Holly. She performed mm-hmm. uh, 
Have Mercy, her new single, and she was throwing ass on stage and, you know, standing in her adult, you know, personhood. And so that was great to see. I think those girls are talented. I think they mm-hmm. have very, very, very bright futures. We know her sister is about to play the fucking Little Mermaid. So it's just a lot going on. Good for them, right? Yeah. Um, there was part of the performance where she paid tribute to Janet Jackson and she performed that classic, you know, um, lap dance or whatever that Janet did on the man when he was tied to the circular uh, platform mm-hmm. or whatever. And she performed it with Tiana Taylor. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny, the radio silence that we've heard from all these people who have been so um, critical of Lil Nas X and his right. um, his method of self-expression. You know, where was Lil Boosie and his kids, his booger-nosed-ass children that he's so concerned about? Where was they, little crumbs, uh, dirty-eye corner-having asses at? Where were they at last night? You didn't have nothing to say about them two girls, but whatever, with the gay always got something to say then you want to be vocal. So I think people told on themselves um, with their silence from that, you know, and the kids that they're so concerned about. Yeah, you know, but other than that, it was it was You know what I about the kids, honey. Fuck the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Lying ass, it ain't about your fucking kids. Bad ass kids. Right. Just say you hate gays. That's yeah. it. We can take that better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So what'd you think about the, uh, the VMAs? Oh, I wasn't for the VMAs. Dustin, um... <laughs> <laughs> it's what you said. It's what you mm-hmm. said. I need to, it's me. I'm the problem here. I need to stop. I'm serious. I'm not, I need to stop expecting some shit to be other than what it clearly is. Okay. You're yeah. right. VMAs have transitioned. The Gone are these, you know, Michael Jackson video Vanguard days. These days yes. are fucking Okay. Yeah. Now, you know how I feel about Michael and the Jacksons in general. So I actually didn't even appreciate that Janet tribute because. hmm it just didn't give me what I needed to give. It didn't land for you. It didn't land. I'm a woman of a particular age, Dustin, and I'm a little stuck in my ways. Mm-hmm. So when I watch these programs, I have such nostalgia yeah. for what I felt it was in its heyday. Yes. We're still looking on some level, I think, for the musicality, for... That sh- and it's just not that. It's what you said. You got it all the way right, my friend. It is Thank a you. pop culture juggernaut display. It's, it's basically a visual tabloid, really. Yeah, it is. That's what it is. And for that, I guess it gave what it was supposed to. Um, for my old ass who's sitting here actually looking for <laughs> something other than an antic, um, you know, it was it was it felt like low hanging fruit. It felt lazy. It felt whack. But, and I think that that creates a space of appreciation for us as viewers when the heavyweights, when the people like Usher or Beyonce right. come out with new music and give us performances that are, you know, a throwback to those all in performances that artists gave us back then, you know, with, right. with lots of stage, you know, dynamics and choreogra- choreography and choreography. all that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Speaking of Usher real quick, and then we're going to move on. Um mm-hmm. You know, I, I just saw the residency in Vegas. And one of the things I really respect about Usher after seeing him live and just really kind of thinking about him contextually, like, you know, what his legacy will be. To me, he's one of the best artists, Dustin, who's been able to transcend slash transition his sound even, like sonically. Yeah, yeah. A modern era and not lose any of the just... Like he's just he just gets it. Like, yeah. like I feel like there's some other artists I won't you know name them necessarily, but like when they try to kind of move on, so to speak, 
It and, doesn't and work. Their sound, it just doesn't work. It's like now nah, yeah. you need to just stick with you know that that LA babyface shit. That that's yeah. that's cute, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, but with Usher, he really I think better than anybody. I want to say, um, you know, abs- in his generation, in our generation, has managed to be so perfectly relevant in the nineties. 2000, 2010s, and 2020 era. Each sound in each decade works. I, I agree 100%. 100%. That's just in him as an artist and as a mm-hmm. talent. Um, some some people have a talent. They may be able to sing or they may be a great dancer. And, you know, with the right team and the right machine behind them, they can see great success. There, there are other people that see that great success, but it's because that that musicality and that um the just the artistry literally lives within them it's their passion mm-hmm. it's their mm-hmm. life's work usher is that way we've seen it in him ever since yeah. he was a teenager you know teenager. what i mean it's just who yeah. he is down to the bone so that's why we get that result yeah so shout out to him um if you get a chance make your way over to vegas um I know. And one more weekend i right? know Two years take your ass over there dustin no wait did you go already no, I did okay. not go, and I need. I really wanted to you, go. You know what? I haven't. promise you, I'm not fucking with you. I'm very cheap. It's worth it. it I believe it. I believe it. Time wise, for me. anybody else right now that's performing today. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. E. I believe it. Usher's got it. Yeah, Usher's got it. Yeah, he does. You know, and some really sad news. I saw this, of course, right before I I took my my trip. Um, Michael K. Williams passed away. Now. <sighs> Uh, it, it, it re- it's one of those things where when I first saw it D on social media, I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This man is so young, 54 years old, insanely talented. This is, this is an actor's actor. Yes, um, it is, Ebony. Right? Many of us were introduced to him in uh, The Wire. Um, I've read some incredible articles, Dustin. I'm sure you've seen them too, where, where they just do really wonderful think pieces about yeah. What Michael K. Williams and the character of Omar, and really some many of his subsequent characters as well, but starting yeah. with Omar, transcended what black masculinity really looked like on screen. Um, and if you don't understand what I'm talking about, just do a deep dive. Um, it, 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 this is, this man is profound. Um, it, his legacy will live on. Just a beautiful person. I had some brief correspondence with him um, mm-hmm. around social justice work um, that we had, you know, talked about doing together. And he's just, um, this is really a loss for the culture. And this is a loss for the craft. And this is a loss for um, for us all. Great loss. Yeah. Great loss. Um, now, I, I'm bothered by what I'm about to report. And then I really wanted to discuss it with you, Justin, because I, I feel a way about it and I want to know what you think. Okay. Now, there's been no formal cause of death for Michael K. Williams, and there's not even been an autopsy yet. But already, there's lots of preliminary investigation starting up around, was it a drug overdose? So these are the facts so far, as reported by Yahoo. Two senior New York Police Department officials reported that heroin was on the kitchen table when they arrived at the scene at Michael K. Williams's uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York apartment, penthouse suite uh, last week. Uh, no f- uh, f- forced entry and no signs of foul play. Now, according to TMZ, the, the so-called drug overdose has launched a criminal investigation, okay, as authorities are now searching for the person who allegedly sold the drugs to Michael K. Williams. Um, 
I'm going to stop here and mm-hmm. let you know how I, f- okay, let me slow down. Cause I feel you can tell me my feelings about it, Dustin. Mm-hmm. What, how does it land to you? This notion of this man has died. It's being suspected because again, no autopsy has been done yet. No formal cause of death has been declared. Um, all the reports say that he was found, uh, lifeless in his Brooklyn penthouse alone, no forced entry, no foul play, reported drug paraphernalia. We're hearing more details about that now, sounding like it was heroin or some type of adjacent substance, all found at the scene. How? What's your reaction to that? Well, here's what I have to say. If we weren't there and if the authorities haven't released a statement, then everything that people are reporting is speculation and actually mm-hmm. gossip, Okay. Someone who has done nothing to tarnish their public image or to make the, the, the public have some sort of disdain for them has passed away. And they deserve a little bit more fucking respect than I believe they're getting right now. It doesn't matter what the fuck happened. The man lost his life and he right. lived a great one prior to that. And his work speaks for that. And the way that people are speaking of him and his memory speaks to that. Don't tarnish that by trying to figure out and, and speculate and, and be messy. This is messy. We don't messy. know what the fuck was going yeah. on and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Talk about his work and talk about who he was as a man. He's dead. That's all we need to know. And and I think that's such an important point. We need to normalize that when people die, it's actually none of our fucking business. None. You know, and and I, you know, used to be ignorant to this too. Like, year, I'm talking about years ago when it's like, oh, so-and-so passed. Oh, what they die of? Bitch, it doesn't matter. Period. Period. You know, they, they, their life is gone. Sit with that. Sit with the grief of that. Sit with the reflection of their life and legacy. And I feel the same way, Dustin. That's why I'm like really pissed off. I don't like all of this speculation because you're exactly right. And that's why I was so specific in the way I, I told the story. Yes. Ebony. There has been no autopsy. There has been no formalized cause of death. So what the fuck are y'all investigating? Y'all ain't finna just pin that drug shit on another black man. That's dead. That's dead. That has so many other talking points when it comes to his life. And y'all okay. ain't about to paint him like that. That's yeah, not so right. That, that kind of gets to my other point. So, so this all comes on the heels of comedian Fuquan Johnson and two other comedians that mm-hmm. recently died, um, reportedly to uh, a fentanyl-laced cocaine uh, substance at a party. And, and now go, let's go to the West Coast. L.A. homicide unit uh, allegedly notified and, and, and trying to investigate who sold them the drug. Like, I just feel like this is some bullshit. Like, from a legal perspective, Dustin, are we going to criminalize uh, the sellers of narcotics and opioids that lead to the death of others, or are we not? Because it seems to me that uh, whether it's Michael K. Williams or in this case for Quan Johnson, when it's high profile, seemingly black celebrities that are at the hands of the tragedy of losing their battle of addiction, which is a disease. Now, all of a sudden, we want to criminalize the, you know, the seller of the substance. But we got millions of folks, black, white and other dying every fucking day of overdoses and no one's coming for their dealer. Now, let me be clear. I don't fuck with drugs. I don't like drugs. I especially don't like drugs that take the very best and brightest of our community away right, from us. Right. I want to be very fucking clear. Right. I feel away, Dustin, with, with what looks to me to be the scapegoating 
in these particular cases. You see what I'm saying? Like, why, why are we picking and choosing when we open up investigations? Either we're taking uh, narcotic and opioid addiction seriously as a country or we're fucking not. And I don't think we are. And I think it's messy to use the term that you you just perfectly use to to now make the conversation around Michael K. Williams, around these comedians. Now the conversation is is being muddled around the prosecution of drug dealers. It just feels it rings up authenticity to me. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. And I hate it. Because he's defenseless in all of this. Correct. You know what I mean? He's dead. He can't even defend himself. He can't speak for himself. He was a person who was vocal. Yes. Okay. Yes. He was very transparent around his battle with the disease of addiction. Yes, he was. This is the thanks that he gets. I don't like it. I, I just think, like, from a purely legal perspective, D, like, until there has been a formal investigation, autopsy, there has been a formal declaration of a cause of death what the fuck are we even talking about i think it's in poor taste all of this reporting around it i think sucks and i think it's absolutely classless and tacky and disrespectful to this man's legacy and everything he fucking gave our society yeah i agree 100 percent um (laughs) on that note we're gonna pay some bills we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna come right back um really some interesting stories here the rest of our docket um, around the latest in efforts to suppress uh, black economic freedom. You don't want to miss it. And what the fuck is going on with these McDonald's ice creams? Because the fans <laughs> are actually way into it and it's yeah. really interesting. So uh, we got that much more with uh, Holding Court. All right, y'all, welcome back to Holding Court. Okay, so Dustin, this story I I had to do this week because this is just the latest example of the system, a system in place in our very own fucking country that is working to disempower, economically suppress Black Americans. Here we go. What's the latest? These Black farmers are suing their former employer, okay, happens to be a farm, for paying white immigrants more than they were paying these black farmers. Here's the the fact. Mississippi Center for Justice and the Southern Migrant Legal Services. Those uh, offices have filed a federal lawsuit. So you know how we talk about that here on Holding Court. They're not fucking with the state level. They're going straight to the feds. You'll see why in a second. They just filed this federal lawsuit, D, on behalf of six particular workers. These six employees worked for the Pitts Farm Partnership. And the lawsuit says that the Pitts Farm Partnership has violated federal law by paying white immigrant workers more than they were paying these local black employees for the exact same type of work. Now, here's the thing. Here's what the law says. The lawsuit says that the farm violated regulations. And there are there are regulations D, that say foreign worker visa programs okay, require the equal treatment of U.S. workers and their immigrant counterparts. And of course, the law has to say that because otherwise everybody and their mama would be bringing in immigrant workers, Mm -hmm. paying Mm -hmm. them nothing, and it would undermine the entire American economy. Right. So in order to keep that from being the case, to equalize the pay structure so that people aren't out here, um, you know, undermining the cost of labor. Right. This federal law is in place. 
The lawsuit here is saying that these six black workers are saying this is some bullshit. Y'all knowingly, and let's just put some numbers behind it, okay? Four of these plaintiffs are saying that the Pitts Farm Partnership paid them a minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. And then when they worked on the weekends, Dustin, they got $8.25. So the seven twenty-five. Give me a break. Okay, which is awful. Start with that. Then you've got two of the other plaintiffs. They did a different thing. They actually drove trucks for the farming operation. They were paid $9 an hour since 2018. Okay. But the lawsuit claims that the farm, the same farm, paid white workers from South Africa $9.87 an hour back in 2014. And then that those white South African workers, Dustin, got raises almost every year until their pay rate was up to $11.83 an hour in as recent as 2020. <sighs> so you don't have to be a mathematician to know that 11.83 is very different from 7.25, 8.25 and $9 an hour. Yes. Okay. So that looks like some bullshit. And I want to just also point this out. This is um, a statement from one of the attorneys from the Southern Migrant Legal Services, which filed the suit. Mm -hmm. It's the H-2A program. That's the, the statute that allows U.S. farmers to hire foreign workers. You can do that. But guess what, Dustin? When there Wait, are no. no U.S. workers available. Mm -hmm. The lawyer says this. It does not allow farmers to pay their American workforce less than their foreign workers or to replace willing and able U.S. workers. And there's the rub. See, we got to go to the history here. People, Americans, white Americans in particular, are so used to black labor being free, being undervalued, and being undermined that when these black workers have the audacity, Dustin, to want a fair pay wage, you outsource their fucking jobs. Hmm. And pay them more. The lawsuit also says this, that the Pitts family, this is the farming family, hired a white overseer, excuse me, I mean, white supervisor, right. <laughs> oops, who gave employees their daily duties and had the power to hire and fire. And I say jokingly, but not jokingly, I use the term overseer in exchange of supervisor because then this, the lawsuit claims that that white quote, supervisor slash overseer. Occasionally, the supervisor used racial slurs and the Pitt Farms family was informed about those slurs and did nothing. Um, this is just a shit show yeah. of the highest level. And it just affirms the reason that there's still such a wealth gap in our country, Dustin. It, it, you know, these black workers trying to insist upon just a fair way. We're talking about $11 an hour. Which even that, like, come on, come on. You know how hard it is to work on a goddamn farm? This is straight up slavery, Ebony. Literally. This is straight like, this up modern day slavery. One modern day slavery. And I'm glad that in the briefing, um, the Mississippi Center for Justice, who again filed this federal uh, lawsuit on behalf of these six uh, plaintiffs, said it said this exact quote, Dustin, unfortunately, this case is emblematic of a disastrous pattern in the South. Our research indicates that farm owners are increasingly abusing the H-2A program and denying opportunities to U.S. workers. 
The case also reflects our nation's deep, ugly history of exploiting black labor. Period. Period. For too long, powerful businesses have abused black Americans for profit. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the exact same thing we talked about um, on the show a couple weeks ago with the dude from Tesla. Yeah. You know, where they were called. It's, it's really not even veiled at this point. At this no. point, these are obvious, just Blatant neon racism. That's what this is. Fluorescent, bright racism. Right. That's what this is. Right like, in your face. In Racist your face. as fuck calling people. And let's just go on and say it. If they say any occasionally use racial slurs, wasn't nothing but black people and white people in the goddamn farm. So that means he was down there calling people niggers. That's exactly on a, on a motherfucking farm called the pits. You damn farm. right, it's the pits. This is the pits. That's exactly what this is. And 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 may they all be brought into the light. Mm-hmm. It is twenty twenty one, and I don't know what kind of I don't know what they smoking in Mississippi, but this is not nineteen twenty one. This is twenty twenty one, and it's time out for all this racist bullshit. It We're is. not having it. And it's, and it's time out for, uh, you know, <laughs> it used to be this term. I mean, I guess I still use it sometimes. I've talked about it too, um, you know, because let's just bring it to, to even like what we do, Dustin. I, yeah. I know I've seen these contracts. I'm sure my friend does. Oh, yeah. Them. I call them Chitlin Show contracts. Yeah. Like they really feel that as black talent, black business people, black um, professionals, because that's what the fuck we are, we need to be out here expecting less money and compensation for the same work. Not on my watch. Right. And as this lawsuit says, it's emblematic of a disastrous pattern, a disastrous American legacy that says black folk shouldn't be working for free. That's it. Let's just make this shit simple. That is an American creed that black labor is for fucking free. And then we have the audacity as we come out of so-called emancipation to slowly but surely insist upon a living, fair, reasonable, equitable, and I use those terms in Mm -hmm. that order, Mm -hmm. wage. And when we sit in that demand, we are punished, period. Whether yeah. it's this case of outsourcing the fucking jobs to Im- white immigrants and then having the audacity to pay them fucking more. So you've, you've, you've displaced these black laborers, even though they're willing and able yeah. to do the work. Or in our case, Dustin, you yeah. know, where if I'm turning the job down because I know what my white colleagues make mm-hmm. and you want me to do it for less and I don't, I'm the problem. Yeah, you're difficult. You're not difficult to work with. Well, kiss my difficult ass because I'll tell you this. I respectfully turn down so many things because the compensation level just is not fair and appropriate. Okay. And when you do that, Dustin, I want to make this point. You don't just do that for yourself. You do that for the collective. And this is a call to action because, you know, this show is about solutions, y'all. And I'm not really in the place of telling white folks how to move. I don't know their consciousness. I don't even care to. And I don't care. But what I do know is as black folk, when we accept these, I'm calling them shitlin circuit rates, Mm -hmm. we undermine the power of an economic black collective. Mm -hmm. So fucking stop it. Stop accepting discounted rates because we are black talent professionals. Fill in the blank. Hold the fucking line. Hold it. 
because it's detrimental to so many different things. Number one, you are lowering your your own personal marketplace value because you're appearing thirsty and willing to work for pennies and visibility on the dollar. Right. When we when we set a standard of of when we set a standard of quality for the type of work that we do. Right. And therein establish a Mm -hmm. value. Right. A monetary value for that service. That is good for our colleagues, our industry peers, everyone who performs at that level, because it now raises the standard and we now we now get closer to what we deserve. I cannot tell you how many panels I've sat on where I know that one of the white panelists next to me was making twice what I was getting paid. Yep. Yep. And that's that's being nice and modest, saying twice. Yeah. Because it's probably probably actually quadruple. Also, Dustin, while we have to start talking, stop this secretive shit. Right. You gotta be honest. About the rates. Yep. Yep. And that's why I give that so many thanks. I've been so vocal about this from the beginning, but my co-host over on uh, the friend zone Mm-hmm. Friend, hey friend, hey friend, Medina. She really taught me about setting a, a a structure and a business model for myself, and how to really just look at my work and define, yes. qualify, and quantify it. Even she yes. really, really helped me with that, and that has just been so valuable, mm-hmm. you know, in my career up until this point. And I just I try my best to to share that same sort of knowledge with everyone else that I know needs it. You know yeah. what I mean? I try my best because and so that to, I say say all that to say, pay the motherfucking farmers what they owe, or mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, put that tur- just 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 fucking cut the tires on the tractor. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like that's it. It's a full egg, stop. Egg the plow. Egg the plow. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. So mm-hmm. I, I wish success in this lawsuit because it's important to stop this shit in its tracks. Yes. You know, um, because. If they if and, and this is true in, in Mississippi with these farmers, it's true in L.A. with what we do. It's true in mm-hmm. uh, Chicago in medicine and finance. Mm-hmm. If people feel they can pay you pennies on the dollar and if you refuse to accept them, they can then outsource the work to someone else who will accept it. That's what the fuck they will do. So it's two things here. Number one, call the shit out on its face. Number two, us. We stop taking these chitlin circuit rates. Stop it. Stop it. And don't be cheap when you have to hire people either. Pay people handsomely for their work and you'll get a better result in the end. This is even more insulting when it comes from black outlets, from black people who try to nickel and dime you or make you feel like you, you, something's wrong with you for having a, 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 yeah. Period. The fuck? Yeah. And I actually want to applaud the black community in this Mississippi uh, area, because what this lawsuit tells me is that they held the line. Yes, they did. At some point, yeah, they're like, nah, like I'm not going to take this job because if that's what they could do, trust me, they don't want to be immigrating nobody, period, because that's just a, a hassle. Mm-hmm. But what happened was at some point, the black labor force in that community held the line. Enough, Good enough. for them. Yeah. That's their leverage. See? Mm, 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 mm. All right, y'all, let's hold the line. And moving on now to uh, everybody's talking about this, uh, Dustin. I know that people have probably been in your inbox wanting to know what we think and in our legal takes and, and cultural takes on this Texas uh, illegal law that is banning abortions effectively at any stage. Uh, mm. Happy to report, finally, to me, it took a little bit long for this to happen, but it, it has happened. Better late than never. The U.S. Department of Justice is now suing uh, the state of Texas over the Texas ban on pretty much effectively all abortions. Uh, Mayor Garland and them at the DOJ are saying this, that the law 
is in open defiance of the Constitution. And it is. If you've been under a rock and you don't know, basically Texas has a new law. It's known as SB8, and it prohibits any abortions without exception uh, for rape, rape or incest or anything else once the uh, heartbeat basically is detected. Uh, normally that's around six weeks. For some women, it's even earlier than that. Um, and for a lot of women, uh, that is before they even know they are pregnant at all. So uh, just, you know, it's some bullshit. It flies in the face of the Constitution. It flies in the face of the longstanding Supreme Court precedent of Roe versus Wade going back to the 1970s that says that a woman has the right to decide the best interest for her body, period. Um, now, this is important to note because people felt that this was a part of Trump's uh, aggressive stacking of the Supreme Court with th uh, six conservative justices versus three liberal justices so that they could overturn Roe versus Wade. This, this has honestly been a longstanding political conspiracy for a long time, a mm -hmm. theory rather. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're going to see what happens. But here's my, my thing on this, Dustin. What, I'm not, uh, abortion will remain a hot topic issue. People feel strongly on all sides of it. I'm not here to talk to you and convince you to be a proponent of abortion, which, by the way, being a proponent of abortion is different than being a proponent of a woman's right to choose. I want to be clear about that. Mm -hmm. You know, very few people do I know are out here like, yay, abortion. Mm -hmm. What most people are, are, are advocating for is each individual, each individual woman's right to make that decision, that heartbreaking, difficult decision for herself. That is a constitutionally protected provision. And what the state of Texas is doing is defying it publicly, loudly, and overtly. So the Department of Justice is saying not that abortion is right or wrong, what they're saying is what you can't do, Texas, is fly in the face of the precedent this United States Supreme Court has already set. So just be clear about that. I, you know, for me, this is a very simple issue. And mm -hmm. I just don't get why it's so complicated for everybody else, Ebony. If you want to have a fucking abortion, you should be able to have a fucking abortion. And that's it. That's not saying that abortion should be pushed as the option of all options or anything right. like that. But pregnancies, there may be a need for a pregnancy to be terminated for several different reasons, not because of carelessness or whatever your moral compass, whatever the fuck your shit is. Yeah. The blown hype fucking conspiracies. Exactly. Look at the data and it'll reflect that that is not even why most people at all. make that choice. Right. But who the fuck are you? You know what I'm saying? To be able to tell somebody else what they can't do. And then when it really gets nasty, it, it's how they've incentivized other people to, quote unquote, tell or snitch or tell on people who are mm -hmm. going to get abortions and they'll get a monetary reward. Literally. And that's how they've gotten around it, by the way, from a legal standpoint, because other states, I mean, it's not like Texas is, is, is the first here. Many other states, mostly all in the South, coincidentally, right, not, um, have tried to take down Roe v. v. Wade as well by doing these types of um, bans on abortions. The difference is those other states used to try to criminally penalize those who defied the ban. 
-hmm. Texas, trying to be a little more politically savvy here, they've made it so that there's no criminal prosecution if you defy the ban, but you will be sued civilly. So that's how that's the kind of legal loophole that has allowed this Texas ban to at least stand in the state of Texas. With all this shit going on in Texas, now you mean to tell me they 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 sent this through, but they haven't put out any new building uh, code regulations for all the houses that was fucking falling apart from the storm and shit. Exactly. You know, a couple months they got bigger fish to fry than worrying about this ridiculous, uh, uh, immoral, unethical, horrible law that they have passed and put in it for what? For well, what? Bullshit too, because here's what we also know. You can't legislate morality, number fucking one. You can't. Everybody's tried it. It never works. Number Give it two, up. This is also very racist and very classist on its face. Because we know wealthy women, white women, who disproportionately happen to be wealthier women, are getting abortions every fucking day. They're called DNCs. There you go. Period. And if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, look the shit up. Look it up. Okay? Every day. By the thousands. But when you can't afford that level of medical treatment so that it's an abortion by a different name, you are forced, according to this ban, Dustin, you are forced into the shadows of society. Because if you trust me about this part, if you are a woman carrying a child you don't want or cannot carry for any reason, you're going to find a way to get rid of it. Trust and believe that shit. Yeah. So it's not like abortions will stop happening. Now they become dangerous. They become life threatening and they become just a, a very traumatizing uh, source of our society. That's all this ban does. It disproportionately impacts black and brown women. It disproportionately impacts women of poverty because when you are white, when you are wealthy and you have access and those two typically, not always, but typically whiteness and wealth can go together disproportionately because of the history of our nation. Mm-hmm. You have access to terminating that pregnancy, whether it's called abortion, DNC, or anything else. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever the fuck you want to call it. So this ban in Texas is a thinly veiled attempt to disempower and further oppress the rights of women of color and poor women, period. This just really bothers me, Ebony. This really fucking bothers me. It really bothers me because please believe those white conservatives who are making sure that these laws go see the light of day or whatever, their daughters, their teenage daughters, 13, 14 years old, 15, 16 years old, are getting pregnant. Yep. And they are they are having abortions. They're sending them girls away, quote unquote, for months and mm-hmm. down to Kentucky and shit when they're five and six months pregnant to get these illegal ass abortions. That's what's going on. These mm-hmm. same these same lawmakers are fucking young kids and covering Whoop. it up. Whoop. You know, sending them away, like I said, to put That's to put, that the, those are the very people who are creating these hardships for people who need to terminate their pregnancies. And I just it's so disgusting to me. It's disgusting. And from a legal standpoint, Texas Stop being a bitch, okay? If you want to confront Roe versus Wade, do then just that. do it. Just, just do, do it. Shit. Right. Stop these little sneaky ass state law ban. That's why your fucking ass is getting sued by yep. the Department of Justice. It ain't gonna work. This it's is not, not going to work. And this will have to run it because that's what you have to do. When you want to change United States Supreme Court precedent, it's a fucking process. Yeah. Go through the process, Texas, which, which is why. And, and again, I just wanted the record to reflect that all of this blood lies on the hands of them Trump voters. 
It's your yeah. fault, bitch, because you put him in power to be able to populate that Supreme Court and stack exactly. it with them conservative judges. Y'all rushed that shit after um, RBG uh, mm-hmm. fucking passed away. Y'all rushed that appointment. And here we are. You ignored the, the red flags about Brett Kavanaugh. Here we are. Here well, we are. Yes. And you know, the other side of that, though, the other side of that, Dustin, it's absolutely on the Trump voters, but it's also on you motherfuckers that got too goddamn comfortable after eight years of Barack Obama. Absolutely. You thought shit was cool and you stayed your punk asses at home. And got caught slipping. And there you and there we go. Yeah, it's your it's y'all's fault. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's another conversation to be had about make make sure you rest in peace, Ruth Sass. Mm-hmm. Ruth Sass and Obama's ass should have came to some kind of agreement. They should have done what he did in a different way. They should have populated that court and just handled their business differently. So yeah. here yeah. we are it's picking up the lessons. pieces. Right. It's a lot of lessons here. Um, what people need to understand is again, I'm so glad you're making this point though, Dustin, like we're talking about this and there's all these different angles, but ultimately this shit comes down to one thing and one thing only. Who sits on that U.S. Supreme Court fucking matters? I submit to you, it matters more than who's in the White House. It is those nine justices that will control every single aspect of American society for generations. They're lifetime appointments, y'all. They're not no four years. They're and like, y'all putting 45-year-old bitches on the Supreme Court for a lifetime appointment. Bitch going to be there for 70 years. Come on, man. But yeah, but it's real. And that, that goes for whether it's abortion, whether it's affirmative action, whether it's fair housing, whether it's the environment, education, um, health care. Every single aspect of the American society will run through the U.S. Supreme Court eventually. Choose wisely. Mm-hmm. Choose wisely, y'all. All right, uh, we're gonna take another quick break. Our last and break. Fuck we- Greg Abbott. I said it. Fuck Greg, Greg Abbott. Fuck Greg Abbott. Yeah. Abbott. Fuck him. Yeah, he's fuck a- him. Piece of shit. Him and Santos. I mean, golly, I don't even know which one of those pieces of shits are worse. Um. All right, choose wisely, y'all. Listen, we're gonna take another quick break. Our last break of the show. When we come back, we're gonna get into the to this McDonald's ice cream saga. Uh, because it is indeed a saga so much so that the federal government I'm not this is actually not even a joke the federal government is looking into why these raggedy ass McDonald's ice cream machines always broken you don't want to miss this All right, y'all, welcome back to Holden Court. I know y'all have seen this on social, Dustin. I have to say, what did you think? Because I know you saw a meme or some shit uh-huh. that was like, the feds are coming for McDonald's. Why the fuck are your ice cream machines always broken? I thought what it you- was a headline from The Onion. And then I realized <laughs> the world that we live in. I said, well, damn, this is actually real. This with is all, actually all, all the things that we that the feds need to be paying attention to. But... Here we are. And here we are. Right. All right. So it's actually, I have to say, the the total nerdy geek in me kind of <laughs> was interested once I saw like where the feds were going with it. Okay. But on its face, it is utterly ridiculous. But not a ridiculous question. Why the fuck are y'all machines always no, no, broken? Because no, they are is. always broken. Always. They come broke. They come- <laughs> I think they just be passing the motherfuckers around here. You won't mind here. They just switch them up. Everybody's just broke. So this this shit is hilarious. Um, all right. So in a letter sent to the McDonald franchisees earlier this summer, the, the Wall Street Journal is reporting all of this. They got this info. The Federal Trade Commission, this is the feds. They want to know why McDonald's 
Machines are always fucking broken, especially the ice cream machines. So here's the reason why. Apparently, the supplier of McDonald's ice cream machines, you're kind of not wrong in your joke, Dustin. They kind of intentionally make it so that the machines are overly complicated to operate, Mm -hmm. incredibly difficult to clean, Mm -hmm. liable to break down often. And then they make it so that you have to go back to the supplier. This is where the kind of Federal Trade Commission part gets murky and there's like maybe like a legal thing. They, the supplier D makes it so that you have to go back to them to fix the machine. Mm. So it's, like, it's, all, it, it's, it's like it's like um, a cycle of financial monopoly, right? So you buy our machine. It's halfway broke when you get it. Mm-hmm. Then we make it really fucking difficult to to repair it. They make it difficult to clean every, this is crazy. Do you understand that most of these machines, y'all every single night has to go through a automated heat cycling system that lasts up to four hours just to clean the machine that often fails. And when it does, the machine is useless until a repairman comes along, but guess where that repairman has to come from per stipulations of the manufacturer. They send their repairmen. See how they're double dipping mm, mm. financially? And so basically the Biden administration, this is not even a fucking game. This is hysterical. Joe Biden's administration, now he, he, they ain't passing no George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Oh, no. But what the Biden administration is doing is looking broadly at whether the manufacturers have been blocking franchise owners from fixing these broken ass ice cream machines themselves <sighs> so that they can get more money on the back end. Um, it's called the right to repair movement. It's a whole damn movement. Um, and, and I get it, but damn, really? All the shit going on in the world. I ain't saying it don't need attention, right? Because <laughs> right. damn it, I don't want to be a Sunday a time or two and ain't been able to get it. Okay, so I, I feel okay, your pain. Okay. But of all the shit that the federal government has on their plate right now. That part. This is what y'all are doing. You digging this deeply into something that has become a running joke for so many people. We've been getting our ice cream somewhere else. Wendy's still making Frosties. You know what I'm saying? We we all right. I, I just feel like we all would be okay with them taking that money and that effort that they're putting into this and putting it somewhere else where it can be better used. That's well, all. I couldn't agree more. This feels like some pretty low-hanging fruit. This from is the really stupid. Presidential administration, but here we are. Um, on a side note, if you have not seen it, I implore each of you, including you, my friend, Dustin Ross, uh-huh. have you seen the founder on Netflix? I started it, but I didn't get to complete it. So I've seen it, but I haven't finished it. You have got to finish it. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, and I don't know, I mean, full disclosure, how much of that film is, is actually, actually true. Mm-hmm. But if even half of it is true, if y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Look it up. The founder. It is the story of how McDonald's came to be. Okay. Starring Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton killed that shit. Okay. First of all, that movie was the most savage shit. Um, and there's a whole thing about the ice cream machines and the milkshake machines. Did you get to that part, D? No. About no. No. I didn't get to that part yet. Yeah. You got you to gotta check that shit out. So, y'all, on the heels, if, if any of this McDonald's ice cream saga interests you, Please watch The Founder. That was some ruthless fucking shit if I've ever seen it. Mm. 
And I need you to watch it, Dustin, because I, there's part of me that's like, damn, that was really fucked up what happened in the film. And then another part of me is like, that shit was genius. <laughs> okay. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Sad. Because they stole like the, well, never mind. I don't want to tell. Yeah, yeah. That. You know, yeah. You know what time it is. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. is it, I, oh, I don't want to spoil okay, it. Okay, we'll yeah. put a pin in it. We'll, we'll, put, we'll, we'll, put a we'll pin come in. back and talk about it on the show after I watch it. After you watch it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, listen, y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening. Um, interesting docket today. We moved around a bit, but I think it was all important stuff that we wanted to get y'all up to speed on. As always, we read our reviews. So please, y'all, give us a review, comment, follow us, star us. Yes. We appreciate it and just spread the word about Holding Core. We we so appreciate it. So, all right, listen, y'all. Holding Core comes to you, of course, from Uppity Productions in association with Dossie Media, presented always by the Black Effect Network from iHeartRadio. Audio services provided by our peeps, one of one productions. We yes. love to stay in them. Those are just oh, that's our family. Check them out at oneofoneproductions.com. Join us next week, y'all. Court will be back in session. Brand new episode of Holding Court. And in the meantime, stay safe. Keep your mask on. Get your vaccines. If you need a booster, get that shit too. Um, and always do what, Dustin? Read your terms and conditions, especially if you live in Texas. <laughs> especially <laughs> if you were under the leadership of that asshole Abbott. Mm-hmm. <laughs>